Well, good morning and happy new year. I don't know about you, but uh, at the beginning of every year, I, uh, I try to begin by asking God to give me guidance, to give me a vision, to give me direction, um, really in all areas of my life, and uh, especially in our church. And actually, that's a, that's a prayer I've been praying for several months. Um, you know, it just seems like the world and, and uh, certainly I think even our church is at a, at a moment uh, where God is wanting to do some things, maybe guide us in some new paths. And so that's a prayer I've been praying that God would give us direction and vision and guidance and, and empowerment and empowerment. You know, there are some specific areas that I think God is leading us toward as a church. And, and I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't want to be quick to say that. I try to be very uh, careful in that regard when it comes to things that impact the congregation. But I do believe I've been, that God is answering that prayer, showing me some areas where we need to move um, toward. You know, this I know. The Lord wants to build his church. In fact, that's a promise of Jesus. I will build my church. The Lord wants this congregation to be strong in the Lord and to have a great ministry impact. Those are things we know. It's just a matter of how do we get there. Lord, what are you calling us toward? And I want to share some of those things with you very soon, but not today. <laughs> You know, over and over, I've noticed how God uses certain Old Testament books in the lives of churches and, and pastors and preachers I think to, and congregations, and I think to guide them in new directions and to strengthen uh, His church. And uh, some of these books, one of them we're going to look at today, Haggai, Ezra, Nehemiah, these stories of God doing uh, great things among his people. You know, almost every time a church is going into some sort of building or, or some sort of change mode, you can almost bet on it that the preacher is going to be preaching from Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai. So just a warning, we're going to be in Ezra today. Uh, Ezra chapter 1. You know, those books record a season of God's salvation story of what God was doing among his people to rebuild and to restore and to refocus and to revive his people in that season. And so I think that's appropriate. And that's where the Lord has directed my eyes in these days to, to studying again uh, this great book, the book of Ezra. As you're finding your way there, that's before Psalms, by the way. Uh, you can turn back three or four books, make a left turn at the book of Psalms. And uh, you'll find the book of Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah actually go together. Originally was two volumes of one work. But now they're split in our Bible. The setting of the book of Ezra is, oh, in the 500s B.C. At the point of this writing, and actually Ezra, the, the scribe, the one who wrote this book, is not going to show up until chapter 7. So it actually covers a long period of time. But the setting of this book is that... 
You know, the temple was destroyed 586, 587 B.C. God's people were carted off to exile in Babylon. Now, that took place over quite a while. The northern tribes, by the time of the writing of the book of Ezra, the northern tribes had been in exile or captivity for about 200 years. While the southern tribes, specifically what we would call Judah, had been in exile for about 50 years. All right, so they've been living as strangers, as exiles, as captives, as slaves, if you will, in this faraway land of Babylon. But God is about to do something. God is about to change things for his people. If you want to say it this way, God is about to resurrect a nation. I want you to think for just a moment about a country a country that has, if we take the northern tribes of Israel, for 200 years they've been gone. Much of their culture and their religion, their memory as a people, much of it has been erased, though not all. Many have never even seen the promised land, though some of the people of Judah had. But God is about to do something, something amazing in his own way. Something that the people could not manufacture. And you know, that's what I want to be a part of in my day and in this church. I want to be a part of what God is doing, not what I've concocted to do. What is God doing in our day? He was about to do something in this day. You know, the book of Romans in chapter 15 and verse 4, it says this. It says, the things written in those days, in the past were written for our instruction or our learning as Christians today. That is, the things of the Old Testament are there not just to tell us quaint little stories, but to instruct us about who God is and how he works. And that's why I think it's vital that we go back to these passages and we see how God works. And as we study through key passages of the book of Ezra in the weeks to come, Beginning today, my prayer is that God will teach us again how to discern what he's doing. And maybe in that, that he would invite us in more deeply and show us how to join him in what he wants to do in 2022 and beyond. You know, I want to experience as a congregation with you the blessings of joining God in what only he can do. So now let's read. We're going to read Ezra chapter 1 it's in its entirety. It's verses 1 through 11. And it says this. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying... Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he's appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Every survivor at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with a freewill offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' households of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites arose, even everyone whose spirit God had stirred up 
to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. All those about them encouraged them with articles of silver, with gold, with goods, with cattle, and with valuables, aside from all that was given as a freewill offering. Also, King Cyrus brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and put in the house of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought out by the hand of Midrathith, Mithredath, <laughs> the treasurer, and he counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. Now this was their number, 30 gold dishes, 1,000 silver dishes, 29 duplicates, 30 gold bowls, 410 silver bowls of a second kind, and 1,000 other articles. All the articles of gold and silver numbered 5,400. Sheshbazar brought them all up with the exiles who went up from Babylon to Jerusalem. You know, I've outlined this about five different ways, and I finally landed on the way that I think, the things that I think the Lord is showing me and that I want to share with you today, and they begin this way. The first thing that we see in this passage is that this movement of God, all that God wanted to do, these great things among his people, began with God's stirring. They began with God's Stirring. You'll notice in verse 1 it says that God stirred the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Persia. God stirred the spirit of this man, King Cyrus. King Cyrus was the Persian king. Now, you remember Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king who had carried off Judah. Then came the Medes. And then came the Persian Empire. And Cyrus the Great is the king of this Persian Empire that is now the successor of the greatest empire that the world had known to that point. The Babylonian, now the Persian Empire. And God went into that palace and into the heart or the spirit of King Cyrus. And he put a seed, an idea a notion of what he wanted to do in the heart or the spirit of that king. You know, that's an unlikely place really for God to start and God to give a vision is to a pagan king. But that's exactly what he did. And such it is still today. I believe that God, the Bible teaches us this. Listen, this is a great theological truth. and We need to grab hold of it. God puts kings and emperors and presidents and authorities in their place. And God guides their hearts. That's what the Bible teaches. The heart of the king is open to God's movement and God's sovereignty. And so God puts in the heart of King Cyrus to send back the people of Israel to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed decades before. And then you'll notice in verse 5, the very same phrase that God stirred the spirits. Not just of King Cyrus, but God stirred the spirits of his people. Leaders, heads of the households, fathers, heads of families, priests, Levites. And it says, and all the people that God stirred up. So the next thing that God does as he's making a plan is he goes to his people and what I think the Bible calls, I think it's appropriate here, a still small voice. Not audibly discernible, but instead in the quiet inner place of the heart, of the spirit, God 
stirs his people. Stirs his people to respond to this edict and proclamation that began with King Cyrus. Ultimately, it began with God. God stirs the people. Not everyone would initially go, but God stirred up those leaders to go out at the beginning to do this work of rebuilding and renovation and renewal that God was about to do. I'm going to tell you something. Any major move of God that has widespread, lasting impact, while it may begin in the heart of the vision caster or leader, any movement of God that's going to have lasting, widespread impact happens because God stirs the heart of his people. Too often we depend on charismatic leaders and people with power. But it's going to be the people, the ordinary people, the families, the fathers and mothers and children and grandparents and priests and Levites who are going to carry forth the work that God is about to do. So God stirs the heart of his people. And really, folks, this is the essence of what I want to say to you today is that I'm praying and I want to encourage you to let 2022 begin with this idea and this practice. Learning to discern and listen in the quiet inner place for God's stirrings. You know, if you belong to Christ, you belong to God. And he has put his spirit in you. And his spirit is said to be our, what? Counselor and helper. God accomplishes things through his people by stirring their hearts and their spirits. When is the last time that you took the opportunity to just get quiet and still? And ask God, God, what are you saying in this day to me? God, what are you doing in 2022 in our nation, in Valley Springs, at First Baptist Church of Valley Springs? That is a practice that we need to cultivate. Discerning and listening for the stirrings of God in the Spirit. The still small voice. I thought about the prophet Elijah who needed, he wanted an encounter with God but God was not in the whirlwind or in the earthquakes and in the big flashy showy things but God came to him in what? The still small voice. God spoke. And that's true in salvation. The greatest need that we have is to encounter God in our hearts and to receive his salvation. Maybe you're here today and the reason you're here, maybe there's someone in this place who came into this church as somewhat of a last ditch effort to encounter God. And I want to tell you He's here. And he wants to speak a word of grace and salvation and hope. You know, God's salvation is not something you earn. You don't have to be good enough. 
It's not that you have to meet this bar, jump over the hurdles. Salvation is a free gift of grace for you to receive by faith. And let your heart today listen. Let your spirit listen to the quiet beckoning voice of Jesus. He says, follow me. Follow me. See, that's the way God speaks, is into our hearts. And we need to learn to listen, not just for our initial salvation, but continue to listen to him and let him stir our hearts. Now I want to show you something else about the stirring of God. In verse 1, it says this stirring of God, what he was doing aligned with the word of God. Now, there are a lot of people who will tell you, God said to me this, God said to me that. And even in our fallible hearts at times, we have thoughts or ideas or notions about what God is doing. And in fact, maybe it's not from God at all. So we need to practice discerning the stirrings of the heart up against the infallible word of God. What it says in verse 1 is the stirring that God put in King Cyrus's heart and in the hearts of his people, it perfectly aligned with a prophetic word that God had given at the time of exile and captivity through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah told the people, he said, God is angry with the sins of the people and the continual backsliding and the forsaking of God. And so you will go into captivity but he will bring you back into this land. Jeremiah, at the time of their exile, said, God says, you will come back into this land. Ezra was a scribe. He was a scripture guy. And so he knew very well, I'm sure, the promises of God through Jeremiah. And he makes it very clear that this idea of resettling and rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem that Cyrus had perfectly aligned with what God said he would do. In the same way, Christians today, people today, we need to learn to put the stirrings and ideas of our minds and hearts and spirits up against the infallible Word of God and ask the question, does this align with the Word of God? We must measure and weigh these things. You know, again, I'll say it this way, our hearts are fallible, prone to error, but the Scriptures are not. And so we need to make sure that we're putting the stirrings of the heart up against the Word of God to measure them and weigh them and discern whether this is, is in fact, something from God. You know, in fact, I would say this, that very often it is our reading and meditating on the Scriptures, the Scriptures themselves, which are the Word of God, that God uses to stir our hearts over and over. I can tell you in my life that it is the practice of going to the Bible and reading it, and asking God to speak through his word, that God uses that book, this word, to stir my heart. And so that's a great practice if you want to hear from God, is to go to the word of God. But listen, the spirit of God uses the word of God. And we shouldn't expect that this is not just some flat book, not just paper and ink, but it is the sword of the Spirit that he uses often in our lives. We should expect God to speak. And we should expect to go to the Word and be able to confirm his leading by his Word. You know, finally, this story reminds me and teaches me this, 
that the stirring of God by his spirit in accord with his word is ultimately to be acted upon. It's ultimately to be acted upon. Cyrus was stirred in his spirit to send the people back to rebuild the temple. And so you know what he did? He made a proclamation. He got on the nightly news. He fired up his Twitter account. He made an edict and he wrote it down and he said, this is what God, who has given me my kingship, is telling me to do. And he told the people, now go do it. And when God stirred the people's hearts, you know what they did? They got up packed their stuff, and they went. And you know what else? Those who were provoked or stirred in the spirit to support the work, not necessarily to go. You know what they did? They gave. They gave free will offerings. They funded the work, if you will. Even Cyrus, he pulls out all of these uh, vessels and articles that had been taken out of the temple, over 5,000 of them. And he says, here, now when you go back and rebuild, take all of this stuff and put it back. They acted in obedience and faith to what God had put into their heart. So often, I'm going to tell you, we're guilty of saying, Lord, give me a word. And the Lord gives us a word and we say, oh, that's, that's interesting. Lord, give me another word. I don't like that word. That's uncomfortable. That's going to cost me something. That's going to send people away. That's going to take me away. Lord, give me another word. And what we need to do is practice obeying the Lord when he stirs us up. And I could wax eloquent on this all day long, I guess. But the best thing that I could do to really teach this, not as a theory, is to model it and to practice it and say this. I want to share with you how I have felt God stirring my spirit and heart this week. Last night I couldn't hardly sleep, even this morning, feeling like I needed to do something a little bit different in the message today. And I'll tell you what the thing that God is stirring in my spirit, really for about a month, but especially at a fever pitch this week, and it's this, that we as a church need to pray for the healing of the sick today. We need to set aside time today and focus part of our service on praying that God would heal those who are sick. I suppose part of the burden that I felt with this is continuing to get reports and news of people with various things, sicknesses and, and, and um, all kinds of things, going to doctors and, and uh, having procedures and surgeries. And you know, there's a burden there. As a pastor and as a church, we're supposed to pray for these things. For the past few months, Every Sunday morning when we do intercessory prayer, I've sat right there. And I've had a couple of specific ones that I've prayed for over and over. One of them was my dad, who died December 23rd. I don't know how many times I called his name out right there. And he died. And you could tell the same story of people that you've prayed for and God did not bring healing And we continue to hear of people going to doctors or having diseases or sicknesses or illnesses and they have doctor's appointments and all these things. And it is so easy over time to go, I don't know if prayer does anything. God didn't answer that prayer. Or it's up to the doctors. 
And certainly I'm for doctors. I'm for going. I'm for medicines. I like Kyle, you know, at the pharmacy. I believe in that stuff. But it's so easy to relegate and go, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to tell you, this is a little bit graphic and I apologize, but I went out, uh, we had a new calf born just a couple of days ago and it wasn't doing well. And so I walk out into the field through the gate yesterday and uh, a bunch of buzzards fly off. You generally understand what that means. I thought, oh man, I look over and the calf's alive. And so I go over to check on him and get him up and he he won't nurse the the cow. And uh, uh, so we get him up and Whitney says, something's wrong with that calf with his tongue. And we look in it and the best we can deduce is that the buzzards landed and worked on his tongue. Now again, this is graphic. And here's why I'm saying that. At the first sight of buzzards, I didn't just assume the calf was dead. I went to check. And when we found that something's wrong with the calf, you know what we've been doing? We've been getting up, tube feeding, putting milk into his belly until with the hopes that he, with his tongue, can take care of business and get his breakfast and supper. We interceded for that calf. We didn't give up because the buzzards were circling. And we're doing a work as farmers that we should do to try to save that life. And shouldn't we not do as much or more for the people of God when death and darkness is circling? When maybe for one reason or another that person, we know someone who's not praying for themselves, we should intercede and do what we can. And I'll tell you what we can do. We can pray. God has called His church to pray. But sometimes we just forget. We don't feel that burden like we should. And just this morning I was reading how Jesus continually, reading accounts of Jesus continually going to the sick and the infirm. They would say, Lord, we want to be made well. Are you willing? He said, I am willing. Be healed. Over and over Jesus showed that he is willing and he has the power to heal. Did he heal in every circumstance conceivable? No, he did not. But he did heal. And he said, I'm willing. And then we see the apostles in the early church doing the same things, praying in Jesus' name that the sick would be healed. And praying and believing in faith. And indeed, the sick, many times we read, were healed. I want you to turn to James chapter 5 for just a second so you can see it with your own eyes. James chapter 5, and again, this is under the notion of when God stirs, we need to act. When God stirs, we need to act. When he stirs our heart. James chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. This is a letter to the church, all right, and to sick people. Here's what it says. Is it Anyone among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church and they're to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will forgive them. Therefore, confess your sins to one another 
and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Let me just say this. I think there's two things going on there. One is people that know they need spiritual healing. That is, sins have weighed them down in their guilt and they need to be saved and they need to confess that they are a sinner and they need to be saved and be healed eternally by the Lord. But specifically, we know there are people who are sick. And it says, if you're sick, something is supposed to happen in the church. Namely, you're supposed to tell what your sickness is. Come before the elders. There is to be this anointing with oil and primarily, I don't think it's about the oil so much, the prayer of faith. That is, people are to pray. You're to pray. If you don't have the faith to pray, have the faith to tell someone else or ask someone else to pray. But the church is supposed to pray for the sick. And it says that those prayers are effective. And so, you know, people get, and myself too, get all bent up and tied up in knots about our theology of healing. And I'm just going to say this. God has put on my heart today and in this week that we need to pray for the people of this church and the people that we know who are sick and in need of healing. And we need to pray with faith. And there are some people here today, maybe, that you need to come and do what this says is, you need to ask, come to me, Brother John, whoever wants to come up here and be a prayer person. You need to ask for prayer. Okay? That's what it says we're to do. So we're going to close our service today with me just trying to be obedient with the way I feel impressed that we need to pray specifically for the sick. And I don't want you to do this because I'm telling you to do it. What I'm going to invite you to do is to pray as your heart is stirred. I'm telling you how my heart is stirred. I want you to pray as your heart is stirred. But before we do that, before I have the worship team come, they're going to do a song. Uh, and, and we're going to have time of singing and just prayer uh, in this close of the service. I'm going to tell you a, a little story. I ran into a friend of mine this last week, and he said, I didn't think I would be here this week. This guy's my age. I didn't think I would be here this week. I said, what's going on? He said, a couple of weeks ago, began to have some problems with my vision and different things going on. And, and every day he was getting progressively worse and he went to the doctor and they didn't know what was going on. Neurologist and on and on. This guy's a Christian guy. He goes to a Baptist church right here in Boone County. And he said within weeks he was basically debilitated. Did not know if he was going to be able to leave the house or even be alive. And he said, you know, my church called a prayer service. A prayer and anointing service for me. It was almost like once I had done everything else, we did that. Now, I'm not judging anybody on this thing because they did the right thing. And here's what he said. We had that. He said, all I can tell you is the next day it was a little bit better and the next day a little bit better and a little bit better. And he said, and, and this is a Christian guy. And, I, and he know, knows I'm a pastor. And we're both stammering and kind of kicking around, struggling with saying, God healed this guy. But he did spit it out. And I nodded and I said, that's what it sounds like. That was last week. This, this week, all right? <laughs> and I th think it's just a call to pray and to believe that God still cares about the sick. And I believe that God will heal according to his will. But he calls us, when we're stirred, to pray for that. Pray for the sick among you.
so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and come on up. In a few minutes, as we begin, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I'm going to be up here to receive and to pray with anybody who wants prayer for, for you. Or, if you don't have a request for you, I guarantee you, you know somebody who is sick and in need. And they may be, may be like that calf without a tongue. And you need to be their tongue. You need to intercede for them. And I'm going to invite you to either tap someone you're sitting next to, go grab someone who's across the room. I don't care. You can text someone. You can text someone in this room. I'll give you my phone number, 870-448-6028. You can text me. But get someone praying with you for another. All right? I want you to pray. Now, I'm specifically stirred up about praying for the sick. Okay? But I think the other thing is praying for the spiritually sick, those who are lost. If you're here today and you want to be saved, you come and you and I together, we will pray and you'll ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and to be saved, to give you his Holy Spirit. You know, God took a people that were long dead and in stirring their hearts and in their obedience, he brought them to life in this story. That's what he does. And I just can't help but wonder, what does he want to resurrect and bring to life today? Who does he want to bring out of sickness, spiritual sickness, out of death? Maybe it's not even just a normal sickness. Maybe for you, the way you're stirred today is someone you have stopped praying for. Just because it seems like God hadn't been answering. Maybe God would stir your heart again today to intercede for them. Maybe it's a marriage that seems long dead. Maybe it's personal finances. Maybe it's a job. I don't know what your thing is that you're stirred in the heart about. But I would ask you, as God stirs your heart, to pray. And to ask God to intervene. Don't give up hope. Pray today. Let's see what God wants to do in this place. So this is just a time of prayer. Ask them to point the camera away. So whatever goes on here at the altar or in this place is not on YouTube and for all to see. For those who are watching online, don't click off. You're invited to pray. Maybe you couldn't be here today live because of sickness. Text someone in this room or someone that you know to pray for you. Use this time as you're stirred of the heart to go before the Lord. Let's see what God wants to do in this time. All right? If there's any here that want to come and be a person of prayer for another, come up to the front. Be ready to receive someone. I know this is a little bit different. But we're asking God to do what He wants to do today. Not what we normally do. But what He wants to do. So let's pray. Come and if you want to receive someone, just come and like I am, just face outward. Be ready to receive someone in prayer. If you want to be prayed for, come and grab someone who's here. Grab someone in the room. Don't leave it. Don't leave it today. Bring it to the altar. God's stirring you for a reason.
stand with me as we close and, and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we cling to that truth that you are great and you're good and you're powerful and you're high and lifted up and you're a healer and you're with us. And you long to save and deliver and to bring hope into situations that seem too far gone. Restore our hope and faith today, Lord. And I pray for every name and every need that has been lifted up in this place and this day. God, that you would work in a way that only you can work. We believe that you're a healer. And so heal, we pray. We ask you to move in lives, to bring life and hope Carry our burdens today, Lord. Carry the burdens of those we love and those we know and those that we are brothers and sisters with. Lord, you know them all and we trust you. And I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified and honored in all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.